Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Monday night. It's time for Trek Talking 2. Um, this is our overflow show, if you want to say, from uh, our regular Thursday night show. And this is kind of a podcast where we uh, we just kind of have fun and we, we talk about whatever we want, different topics, maybe review some old episodes, whatever. And that's what we're going to do tonight. You may have noticed we had the Voyager theme song at the top of the show. And that's because tonight we're going to be talking about Death Wish, uh, which was the 18th episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. It originally aired on February 19th, 1996. Uh, The episode features a new member of the Q continuum named Quinn, and appearances by Star Trek The Next Generation alumni, Jonathan Frakes, and of course Q himself, John Delancey. And basically... Quinn is a member of the Q continuum and he wants to commit suicide and Q John Delancey Q um, is there to prevent it. And that's what the episode was about. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And the reason why we're going to talk about that tonight, in case you hadn't guessed is because Q was on Picard and Q died. And a lot of fans are like, well, you know, Q's immortal. He can't die. And, and, you know, so on and so forth. Well, uh, yeah, he can die. And we're going to talk about that. So our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Uh, we'll be live with you here next hour. So give us a call, 646-668-2433, and share your thoughts on Q dying or the episode Death Wish. We'll be here. We'd love to hear from you. But before we get too far... Let me introduce to you my awesome truck experts. Of course, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, with you as usual. But with me, we have David. David's from Portland. How are you doing tonight, David? I'm pretty good. Just kind of waking up from sleep, taking a nap. <laughs> uh, I, I hear that. I've been doing that a lot today. 
Uh, we also have with us from Portland as well. We have Paul. You guys know him as the wine guy. How you doing tonight, Paul? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's been a busy Monday uh, for me, so uh, it's flown by fairly quickly. Glad to hear your voice back to normal, man, that you're feeling better. Oh, yeah. Rough week I, for you. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling much better. I'm not, not better out, I'm not out of the woods, but I'm, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and that's encouraging. And uh, we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. Busy day at work also for me because we're getting to the end of the school year before summer school starts. And, oh, my phone just said we went down a degree. I looked at my phone just as I called in. And like, oh, gee, there are three digits in my temperature. Okay, we're sweating. We're getting to it now. But it well, back down to 99. 99. <laughs> Good gravy. Well, That's nuts, 100. man. No, wow. thank you. No, thank you, sir. <laughs> I um, I just want to take a second before we start the show, guys, to just let you know, um, I have COVID. I came down with it last week. Um, I'm fully vaccinated, and I think that's the thing that's that's making me able to do tonight's show and Thursday night's show. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do Thursday night's show because I was in bad shape, but um, I was able to get through it, and I'm here now. And I just got to tell you guys, this this is real. Um, it, it is serious. Take it seriously. Um, get your vaccinations and take care of yourself because it affects everybody differently. It affected my daughter, who's 26, differently than it affected me and my wife. In fact, it affected me a lot differently than it affected my wife. Um, so, so you don't know how it's going to affect you and it's not worth taking the chance. Trust me on that one. So stay safe, follow the guidelines and please get vaccinated. Um, it's the best way to protect you and your loved ones. So, um, that's it. I'm going to step off my soapbox now and, uh, we're going to get into some Trek talking. You guys ready to do some Trek talking? Absolutely. So Tonight, we're going to talk about Death Wish, and uh, if you haven't seen the episode, spoiler alert, um, if you have, here's the trailer that played on UPN for this episode, just to kind of set the mood for you. It's the war of the cube. I demand asylum. You would ask these puny humans to protect you from me? They're all powerful. We've been transported back in time to the birth of the universe. Almighty. You can't hide from me, Q. And all-consuming. We've been reduced to subatomic proportions. And if they can't resolve their conflict... What the hell is going on? It's all over. Ready or not, here I am. On the next Star Trek Voyager. So that's the um, trailer for the episode, Death Wish. Um, and so I've been homesick, so I've been watching lots of Star Trek. And I watched Star Trek V yesterday, which, if you guys don't know it, is my favorite Star Trek movie. I love Star Trek V. I've got my reasons, but I love it. Okay, it's, it's Wow, outlier, man. You make me want to rewatch it. It's, it. <laughs> it, it's, it's my go-to movie. Uh, I've, we've talked about it before. It's just um, it's just a fun uh, TOS episode type uh, movie. There's no 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 Vegers, no Galactics. It's just a fun 
romp of a Star Trek movie, and I love it. And Spice Williams is in it. One of the best Klingons. We've had her on the podcast many times. I love her to death. So, um, yeah, it's my go-to movie. So I watched it yesterday. And I had this thought. I thought, you know, I wonder if the, 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 the creature was actually Q, was a Q that they imprisoned on the planet. And I thought, it may, because in this episode, they imprison Q in an asteroid. And, of course, Janeway, they break him out. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, the, creature, the, the, the being on the planet could have been an imprisoned Q all along, and he needed the starship to break him out like Q needed Voyager to break him out of the asteroid. And then I'm thinking, yeah, that, that makes sense. That could be. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But um, either way, I like the movie. And I just thought maybe that was a Q before anybody knew what a Q was or how Q worked or what Q did. Could have been a Q. Just like Trelane on TOS could have been a, a younger Q as well. But let's swing back to this episode. So they find an asteroid that's floating through space, but it's an abnormal asteroid. And they, they do a scan, and, and, and there's something in this asteroid. Something's not quite right in this asteroid. And uh, upon closer investigation, Quinn shows up on the bridge and thanks them for getting him out of his prison. What we find out is that Quinn is bored with being, um, you know, a god creature member of the Q continuum. Immortal. And immortal. And he wants to die. And that's where the episode begins. And this episode raises a lot of interesting questions. And uh, it's a very, it's a morality play, which Star Trek does so well. And in this case, it happens to be Q or Quinn. I think we got to have different names. We've got Quinn and we got Q. There's two different Qs here. And uh, Quinn wants to commit suicide. Q wants him to stop, doesn't want to allow him to. Now, the Q continuum imprisoned Quinn in this asteroid for his own protection and for the protection of the continuum. Now, Q never makes it clear why the suicide of Quinn would have, would have this snowballing domino effect on the Q continuum. Uh, at least, not that I caught. Did, did any of you guys catch the reason why Quinn committing suicide would have this negative effect on the continuum? Did anyone catch that? Q kind of made it an idea that it was a the entire Q continuum was rather connected, unified, and that a loss of the Q is a loss to part of the continuum. Though Q does admit that they can sacrifice Q's and the loss isn't the loss is better for them to be gone than them to them being gone for their crimes and they are gone from inhabitants. Which is confusing. Right, which which brings you back to the question where uh, the Q believe in corporal punishment and I believe Q I think Q says that they've that they have put two other Qs to death for crimes. 
what crimes, I don't know. They don't elaborate, but um, crimes against the, the Q continuum that warranted death. So the Q continuum believes in corporal punishment, but not in suicide. They won't allow Quinn to commit suicide. Which but they he, admit that they punish Q, which Q keeps trying to talk around because they did take his power away at one point and due to doing something good got his powers back. And and that's and and, and we're gonna go in a full circle here right now because <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Go around I, the block. I still have COVID. And, uh, <laughs> um, and this brings me. This, this is a brings me right back to what I was thinking at the top of the show. Punished, and his powers were taken away, and he sought asylum on the Enterprise D with Picard. Uh, you guys remember that episode, right? And yeah. so he's hiding on the Enterprise, and all these aliens. All these different races are coming after him because they all want a piece of Q. And, uh, you know, Picard protects Q and gives them his asylum. And, I mean, you guys got to go watch the episode. But he eventually gets his powers back and everything is fine. Well, I got to thinking about this when I watched this episode. And I'm wondering, now Q, (laughs) help me out here, guys. Q does not follow a linear time like we do, correct? Like correct. Q, tomorrow is yesterday, which is next month, which is last year for Q, right? Something along correct. those lines? Q's not born, and then 100 years later, he dies. Q is like like tomorrow might be, I mean, he time is different for Q. It does not like it is for us. So if Q goes back to the 1800s, um, you know, for us, that might be, you know, a second ago for Q, or it might be a second from now for Q. It, he's not linear, right? He's kind of like the uh, Bajoran wormhole prophets, I'm a, right? Yeah. Type of a thing. Right. So, well, look at the. Uh, I'm watching. Look at the three people. Look at the three people. Quinn helped. Right. He gave help to Isaac Newton by making sure the apple fell on him. He made sure that this gentleman from the 60s was able to fix an issue so that Woodstock it wasn't uh, stopped and visited Riker's great-grandfather. Thaddeus. Thaddeus. So I had this theory when I was watching this episode, guys, that I wanted to drop on you guys. I'm not sure if Q's can actually die of uh, old age or natural causes because I don't think those things affect Q. But we know that they can be killed because Q says that they have put Q's to death for violating their most sacred laws. Do you think that what happened in Star Trek Picard was Q being punished for 
killing Quinn in this episode? No, no I, I don't know, she, man. That's, think... That seems like a reach. <laughs> and why, yeah, why, 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 why Q was being punished? I don't think Q was being punished. I think Q was oh, just man. reaching an, a, reaching a spot where he just. I'm not as much sure Q's dying as Q's moving on to a new existence. Okay. All right. That's cool. Well, all that's all that stuff in Picard, uh, you know, when when any of that stuff's on there and and who knows to what degree this is deliberate, right? Because it all kind of serves, you know, whatever purposes you have. But it's all super vague, right? It's like there's the assumption, it's like you never have a scene where you know definitively that Q is dying or someone says you're dying for this reason and there's any you never see any other perspective other than his. Right. And he says, I'm, I'm dying at some point. And he and is he just making that assumption? Because when he snaps his fingers that one time, it doesn't work. Yet when he does it at the end, he kind of implies that that's going to take all, all the strength he has to be able to do it. Right. When he's able to snap them back at the end, he goes, this, this will probably take everything I have. He says words to that effect. Right. So so he's making this assumption or kind of telling us this one thing, but we don't really have any objective information from any other quarter to have us know that we can put any faith in this. Right. Do they die? We don't know. I mean, we're, we're accepting what we're told, which in science fiction is usually a really, really bad idea. Right. We're only getting like one, you know, super narrow perspective. But there's nothing to – it's like if, if, if we're to think that he is being punished for, for what happened in this episode with his you know, eventual compassion for, for Quinn, they on Picard have to tell us, right? Unless, unless there's some reference to that and there's some connective tissue to the previous story, it's, it's just too, uh, too random a connection, I, f- I feel. It's like they have – it's their responsibility to tell us something or dangle some little thread of a hint that lets us justify it together, but there's zero evidence for any of it. And we still don't really know that he is dying because we didn't see him disappear. I mean, they left it very open-ended in, in kind of a cool way, you know, which I think, I think is, you know, whatever his situation is, or he, maybe he's made an, a bad assumption. Maybe he's not really dying or maybe he says he is because he just wants to do something. I mean, we just don't know. So all you can do is take the dialogue at face value. So in a way, you're saying like he's kind of like a plot armor. Say, say again. I'm sorry. It broke up on me. Oh, I was saying you're basically saying that Q is basically kind of like a plot armor. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. You know, I mean, I. I, I really love that moment where he. Uh, where he's there with Picard in the last episode, right? And they're, you know, they're. He's basically saying goodbye, right? And he and <laughs> it's that whole moment where he's like, "See you out there," right? And basically, it's 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 kind of like one person facing the idea of mortality to another, right? It's just like that's that seems to by saying something like that, that seems to imply that he's he thinks he's going to die because he's he's going off into the great unknown. It's like even you, you I the idea that you know as omnipotent as they may be being immortal and able to move back and forth through time and all that stuff that kind of implies that Q doesn't himself really know what happens 
when you die. That they're, the, the idea of, you know, cessation of existence, they don't really know definitively. And they're kind of at the end of things, if it really is the end of things for Q as well, kind of puts them on an even playing field with, uh, with you know, mortal man. So it's interesting, you know, I, I, but there's 150 different ways they could easily bring that character back. And, and I mean, TV shows do that all the time where it's just like, you know, you say one thing and then you go, oh, well, what really happened was da, 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 da. I mean, they could easily do something like that where it was like, I thought, you know, and you just make some explanation and they can bring him back if they want to. So, cause we've seen nothing definitive that's that you know we that, that you would actually take as like legit evidence to really really believe he's dead i mean i think they want you to think he is because it's poetic and it's nice but if they choose to undo it it's as easy as well, snapping their fingers well remember who oh, shot jr supposed to be coming back in season three well i didn't count i should have but i didn't uh, did he appear in six episodes? I, I Total across franchises? No, uh, uh, in this season, in, in season two of Picard, was he seen in six episodes? Oh, of Picard. No, was, Picard. You know, I don't know, man. I, I, that's a good question. I'm not sure. It feels like less. I didn't, I, yeah, I, I think it's less. I didn't count him, but uh, w- when they made the announcement, he, he went out, out there and he said that he signed a contract for six episodes. Um, I know he was in the last one. You know, he was in the first one. That's two. Um, he visited with Guinan. That was three. The first time um, we met uh, Renee Picard. Yeah. When he meets Renee Picard, that was four. So were there two hmm. more episodes? Was he on two more times or do we still have two episodes left for him to show up in, in next season? You know, and 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 because Q travels through time, um, just because we see him die in this episode of Picard, you know, right here, that doesn't mean that that's chronologically when he actually ceased to be Q. Right. Well, okay. and I got a question for you. I got a, I got a, okay. I got a Picard Jim's trivia question. question for you. Okay, hold on, Jim's question. Q was in forever was in Stargazer, Penance, Assimilation, Watcher, Fly Me the Moon, Mercy, and Farewell. This is where he is given credit for in IMDB. All right. Seven episodes. Seven. And he said he had to sign a contract for six. So he lied. He can adjust. Yeah, he does that. So uh, (laughs) listen, guys, we got to take a a really quick break here. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember when Q gives Adam Soong his calling card. And it's a 3D printed calling card. And on the calling card is a giant Q. And underneath it is a phone number. I don't know if any of you guys called that phone number. I definitely did. And uh, we talked about this on Trek Talk in a little bit. And I put the uh, article up on our Facebook page for you guys. But if you didn't know it or you didn't call it, I'm going to go to commercial with, if you called that number, the message that you would get from Q. So here it is. 
There it goes. Hello. You have reached the Q continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call, and we simply do not care. Have a nice day. And we're back. So what do you guys think about that? Was that not great? Was that not perfect, Q? <laughs> That's the persona I, I know and love of the guy. <laughs> That's the Q. <laughs> so I just point out one thing real quick, um, just because, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, John Delancey's still got a lot of miles in him, right, as far as an actor, I would hope, because he sure seems like he does. He seems like he's hale and healthy. So I would like to think that, you know, we're not done seeing that guy, I hope. But uh, but in addition to all those episodes, just to point out, he's he's not above making an arrangement <laughs> with that character to further portray him. And I will give you as evidence the fabulous Playmates toy commercial <laughs> that he did we're playmates right. for Instagram, right? It's like it's he's in character as Q, and is when they first started to do more PR to launch the return of the Star Trek, uh, you know, toy license. You know, Delancey reprised his role as as Q, and there he is again. So it's just like I don't think he's completely done playing that character, right? I mean, and if anything, I think fan reaction to his appearance this season is probably going to make there be more demand for him to return either, you know, not necessarily on, on, uh, on season three of Picard, but easily on something like, you know, I mean, uh, you know, it seems like a perfect fit for him to be on uh, prodigy or, you know, later seasons of, uh, of strange new worlds, which is what we all really want to be talking about anyway. Um, (laughs) It's really hard to talk about an episode from 1996. I just want to talk about last week. Well, he did show up on, he did show up on lower decks though, which was funny. Yeah. Did he really? I have yet to come to terms with that show. I haven't, uh, I haven't made my peace with it yet. So I haven't really watched it. He did show up on lower decks, which was really, really funny. The way they got him on lower decks. But, well, I think uh, it's a, a waste, man. I, I hope he's back at some point in the future. He's just every time he would show up on Picard this season, it was like the the energy level just you know increased you know exponentially. He's just a tremendous, tremendous. It's so fun to go watch him on one of these old episodes, right? I mean, it really, really is. I hadn't watched a Voyager in so long. And he's just great. He's just really super. He's just a pro. His timing is hilarious. You know, I mean, you might be kind of like, initially I was just like, oh, man, bummer of a plot synopsis, right? (laughs) It's all episodes about suicide. It's like that's kind of a downer, right? You think it's going to be really depressing. But he manages to find moments of comedy all through that, you know, because he's just so – gifted at being able to find those little moments without cheapening the theme. It's still a very strong morality play, like you were saying about the nature of life and, uh, and uh, acceptance and forgiveness and letting go. I mean, a lot of these themes that you, you know, kind of echoed on that we just saw in this season of Picard, right? They're kind of, you see little, you know, kernels and seeds of that in this episode, which is great. Kind of makes more of a through line for the character. 
he's able to bring comedy to that subject. Is he's he's just tremendous, man. I've never seen him play this character once. It's not just gold every time. He's so great. Oh, I think you know a lot of people that that cut their teeth on TNG, who like my wife, um, because Q was in the first episode. He's just identified with Star Trek. Like one of the, like the Enterprise, he's like just a character on the show. And he's been, I don't know how many episodes, uh, maybe, I don't know, eight of TNG, maybe, I don't know, three of Voyager, uh, one on Deep Space Nine, uh, one on Prodigy. Oh, he has been on Prodigy already. I didn't realize. No, that. no, not Prodigy. Oh, no, not, not, not Prodigy. Yeah, Picard. I was about to say. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, Lower Decks and Picard. So he's got it. He's been in a lot. Yeah, I think he's been at least three episodes of Voyager so far. Well, yeah, he's been on a lot. And of course, when he punches, when he punches, uh, when when Cisco punches him in the face, that's that's priceless on DS9. But. Um, I think he's just identified with Star Trek. He's one of the crew. And you either like him or you don't. A lot of fans don't like Q. They don't like the Q episodes. Um, really? They want nothing. Yeah, you hear the complaining. Well, fans will complain about anything anyways. But, um, you know, you'll hear them complaining about they don't like the Q episodes. It's not very Star Trek-y. They don't like them, blah, blah, blah. But I think the majority of the fans really do like Q and he's, he's, he's part of Star Trek. And I think the reaction to his death in Picard season two, well, his presumed death and uh, was just evidence of that, you know? And when we did our fan reactions, people really, really seemed to like that, that, that reaction, that, that character interaction between Picard and Q, especially at the end. You know, when he says, I'll, I'll see you out there, and, you know, Picard hugs him. I mean, come on, people. Really? Yeah. That was that's just, a moment. That, that's a moment. That, right, that was just like a Kodak moment all the way. <laughs> you know? It doesn't I, get I've been lucky I've not heard a lot, of, uh, a lot of fans uh, not like you. I always thought most fans did because he's just so indelible. I, I didn't realize there was some – but, you know, like you say, people complain about anything. But uh, – yeah. But yeah, I've I've not heard a lot of that, fortunately, uh, to my to my good fortune there. But he's you ever see him on uh, Breaking Bad? No, I've never seen. I, I I saw him on Battlestar Galactica. That's about it. No, he did like four episodes. This one arc uh, on on Breaking Bad, which was one of the best you know TV series in modern times. I mean, it's just a tremendous crime show. Um, but he was amazing in that. Played very different character. Played a father, uh, a very stressed out, you know, over overtaxed person, like an air traffic controller, and he's amazing. It's just so great to see him do something where it's like still totally him. It's like clearly John Delancey, but it's a different kind of role, right? And just goes to show all the range and and uh, you know perspective he's got. He's he's great. He's done a ton of stuff. He he's he is funny. If you get a chance to meet him at a convention, it's like talking to Q. 
Um, what did you guys think of the way yeah. they just they depicted the continuum in this episode, right? I think we got to talk about that, right? Because during yeah. the the hearing, right, um, and Tuvok is there representing uh, Quinn, and they and at some point, I think it's Tuvok that comes up with the idea of like we need to see what this thing is that is the environment he's uh, objecting to, right? And so a depiction of the Q continuum is is brought up, which I thought was pretty inventive, man. What did you guys think? <laughs> Quinn says, oh, I've been the scarecrow. I've been the dog. I've been the pinball machine. I've been everything. <laughs> I walked down the road that way. I walked down the road that way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I just, it was an interesting concept, actually. But I, th- I thought there was more than four cues altogether. But, but, you know, yeah, because yeah, we saw like, we didn't see Q2. Right, Q2 or Lady Q, played by Susie Plaxon. Yeah. I think they just gave us a, a Santa, like a, whoever the ones that were there weren't, weren't meant to be all the Qs there were, right? It's just like a representation was the impression I got, right? That there was just, you know, this is just a little tiny, you know, peek in the keyhole of, of what's Observer. there. Observer. Yeah, that's depicted in like, you know, super metaphorical way for us to be, because it's all we could, what do they say? It's all we would be able to comprehend, right? So they give Actually, us this kind of small town view. Yeah. Uh, sorry, um, Jim, you mentioned that there was only four two. Actually, there was five. Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was the one that was punishing Q and got it powered back. Q2. That's Q2. Q2. Uh, well, I thought Q2 was the kid. I've been on a panel where they regarded as Q and Q2. Those were the original first two Qs. The Corbin Berenson? Is that the guy you're thinking of? Yeah. L.A. Law veteran? That was Q2. Well, who was Q's kid? That was John Delancey's son. Isn't that Q number five then? Well, uh, yeah, because you have Quinn, you have Q, you have the lady Q, you have Q's son, and the guy who punished you, I guess Q2. I guess that was five. But we're not meant to just think there's such a small number of them, right? I mean, those are just the ones we've seen. Aren't we meant to think that there's a whole civilization of these beings, right? That's not just the, yeah. the, the, the handful that we've seen in episodes. I mean, the impression is they're, if they're a continuum, they're, they're a civilization, they're throughout the cosmos. I mean, that's the impression well, I get. I always got the feeling that didn't, um, didn't Guinan say that Didn't Guinan say in Picard that the, her, her race, the Elnorians, went to war with the Q? And they they settled peace over a bottle of Tranya or whatever that stuff was. <laughs> Something so, like that, yeah, yeah. So there must be like oogles of cues out somewhere in the cosmos, flying around or whatever yeah. it is they do. Well, I, I would think that like we said two have been ex- executed. There's two more that we don't know about. Yep, and. And if I remember correctly, wasn't there an episode of Voyager where the Q continuum was dying off and they needed to have baby Qs? 
and Q came and wanted to have a baby with, with Janeway. Yep. Yep. And then that's when Lady Q showed up, played by Susie Plaxon. And they're like, well, how are we supposed to have babies? And Janeway's like the way everybody else does. And Q's like, oh, that's gross. Wasn't that that episode? <laughs> wow. I don't yeah. think I've actually ever seen that one, man. Oh, my God. That's that hilarious. was what? The Q and the Gray, I think it was. And, uh, I think it was actually. Right. I think it was yeah. actually shortly after that uh, the, the death wish because they wanted to touch base on like what happened to the Q continuum after that happened. So I guess there was like some sort of civil war going on. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. They were having a civil war in the Q continuum, and John Delancey brings Janeway to the continuum, and it's like a Gone with the Wind house, and and he's a he's a Union soldier, and the South is is rushing the gates and blah, blah, blah. It's a whole civil war scenario that's going on. And that's what yeah, Q and tells I think that her. Also is, that, that also took place in the sense where, remember, and I think even in Death Wish, they mentioned that uh, we couldn't really explain what the Q continuum is because our minds, uh, human minds are like, you know, they can't comprehend it. Makes me wonder if uh, this whole civil war thing was the only way that could, they could explain what was going on in the Q continuum. So if we couldn't comprehend it, maybe they were just saying something like, you know, the whole Q continuum itself, like the whole idea that they can be uh, mortal is the only way to explain and for our way of thinking is, you know, maybe Q didn't actually die. That's just a, a way to say it. They're dying because that's the only way we can comprehend the Q continuum. But maybe the hid version of dying is something completely different than what we think. I don't know. What well, you know what? If they have to propagate, if they need to have a baby Qs, then there there must be some type of mortality there. Because why would you need a baby Q to carry on if you're going to be carrying on forever yourself, right? There might yeah, be something more going on there. Something to comprehend, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but if you haven't seen that episode, uh, Paul, you got to check it out. The Q and the Gray. I will definitely look into it. I'll watch anything that Susie Plaxton is. She is uh, incre- incredibly talented. I'm a big fan of hers from all of her stuff on Next Gen. I somehow did not know that she, uh, you know, the mid nineties were a crazy time for me, man. And there's some stuff I missed out on. So it, uh, it's fun to know there's a few uh, nuggets out there that are still waiting to be discovered. By me, so. Well, did you notice the way Q was kind of uh, uh, hitting on Janeway and dropping comments to her through the whole episode <laughs> in the Q kind of way? Yeah. Well, the way he shows up kind of, yeah. for crying out loud. Right, he shows up at her bed. Well, out in the, and then next time they see her, he wants to have a baby with her. He wants to have a Q baby with Janeway, <laughs> and that that gets the that that kind of pisses off Lady Q, played by Susie, and she shows up. And oh, uh, by the and way, Jane... Paul, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be okay, alert. man. I'm, I'm I'm not expecting anything too. Uh... <laughs> Janeway shows him how to do the to do the horizontal mamba, yeah. um, but it was, I it think was the shelf episode. life on spoilers is okay, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, I think so. 
But, yeah, the whole Q continuum, it's, I, I mean, we could talk about it forever. We just don't, we just don't, we just don't have uh, enough information or know enough about it to really come up with a good explanation. Yeah. Q says he's dying. So we got to take him at at his word um, because I, I, I think the Q that we end up seeing at the end of Star Trek Picard season two is a very, very different Q than the Q that we see in the beginning of TNG encounter at Farpoint. I yeah. think he's I was, he's come a long way. I was he about does to seem like he evolved. The, the character Q, definitely moved. The Q wasn't really made up until yeah. like the beginning of TNG. And I actually think you're right, Jim, about uh, Star Trek V. That might have actually been a Q locked up when Enterprise came to visit because he needed a ship to get out of there. That actually makes sense. And I think that's probably where they got that idea from uh, – to, uh, for the script of the Death Wish episode that he needed a ship to get out. And um, so maybe he was a Q in that movie. So I don't know. I mean, even back then, they didn't know what Q was, really. And so they probably so just they wrote him off as a god. Well, they knew what uh, Q Star was, Trek but they... Five. Star Trek V came in 2009. No, 1989. Yeah. 1989, and Coward Farpoint was 1987. But this episode didn't come out until 1996. Right. So when they they knew about they knew about Q when Star Trek V came out. Right, but they they hadn't created the the idea yet that a Q could be imprisoned in a planet and would need a starship to escape until this episode. Yeah. And I only made that connection because I was laying on the couch sick. I, I watched Star Trek five, which is my, always my go-to feel better movie. And then I said, Oh, I have to watch death wish for the show on Monday. And I watched death wish. And right away I said, wow, I saw the similarities between, you know, the, the God creature wanting the starship to get off the planet because he was in prison there and Quinn being needing the star starship Voyager to get out of the asteroid. Cause he was in prison in there. And I, I saw a connection between those two, which made me think maybe, maybe the God creature was actually a Q. They never say that, yeah, but um, that makes sense. it made sense. It made sense to me watching those two episodes back to back. But anyways, guys, we got to take another quick break before, Before we run out of time, so don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30. All hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And that's the fun thing about Trek Talking, too, is you never know what we're going to talk about or where we're going to meander off to or what topics are going to come up because this is an unscripted show. (laughs) So there you have it. There's no script. There's no show notes. We don't know where it's going to go until it gets there. But anyways, um, what, what did you guys think about the episode Death Wish overall? I mean, 
Janeway had a tough decision to make um, because it wasn't until Q, I mean, Q actually promised her, I'll bring you back to earth if you find in our favor. Now, everybody knew that wasn't going to work because Janeway would never, never. Uh, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Wait a minute. I want to mention. So everybody knows that Janeway would not bow to that. She There's no way that Janeway would have said, okay, the good of my crew, above my honor, take us home. Agree, right? Because she did in the episode, right? Well, who is who is she offering? Who is he proposing to take back? Just her or the whole crew? The whole crew. The whole He's crew. going to snap his finger and the ship would be back at Earth, and she didn't do it. Where's the downside? The end of I mean, if it's the whole crew and everyone gets to go home, what, why is that an ethical uh, lapse? That I didn't get. Yeah, she didn't uh, do it. But that means the, the uh, that means Voyager ends in season two. <laughs> well, yes. Well, right. But but um, ethically, because their speaking, whole purpose is to try to get home, right? That's their whole thing. Is they're so far flung from everyone, and they they want to get home. So I, I didn't get that whole. If it was just her, and he offered just to take her home, I could see her, you know, selflessly saying, "No, there's no way." But why would she pass by an opportunity to take uh, the entire group back home and get everyone back reunited with their loved ones while they still are old enough to appreciate them? That seemed kind of week to me. I don't know. It didn't seem like she it was did. well. But I wanted to bring up another Starfleet captain who had what What if that was Cisco? Cisco would have done it in a heartbeat. He did. Cisco sold his soul to the devil to make a deal. It's a fake! To, end, to, to pull the Romulans into the war because the Federation was going to be wiped out by the Dominion and he sold his soul and and violated everything that he that he felt strongly about in order to save the federation great episode by the way wonderful Avery Brooks just just nailed it but if that was if that was Cisco and his crew stuck on the defiant way over there and Q said look if you find in my favor I'll bring you home what do you think? Cisco would have done it, right? You think? I mean, I think, he, he I think that's before. a different type of uh, scenario, but probably. <laughs> I think the only I reason mean, it, it's uh, convincing to me is if to have her sort of basically just go, and I think she said something to along these lines where I just don't trust you, Q. Right? It's just like, it sounds great. <laughs> he says he's going to do it, but she's just like, you know, you'll do something, and I just don't trust you. I think kind of putting your chips in that corner makes more sense, right? But because otherwise, it's like if she legit could take everybody home, to not do it is just, you know, a very odd, very odd thing to do, given her arc and her motivations. So, Well, I think that, I think like Charles said, it's it's simple. The show would be over. So, it, so that's, <laughs> you know, it ain't going to happen, but... She could have ended the whole the whole series in the very first episode. They she could have made a very different decision and and ended everything and been right back at Earth and never even had that whole thing happen. But again, it would have ended the episode. So I mean, it would have ended the series before it began. Um, so you know, there's that. But Hugh did offer to bring her home. She did say she did turn him down. 
But in the end, in the end, did she make the right decision? I mean, we, you know, we saw we saw the decision she made when Tuvok and Neelix got merged together into Tuvix, right? And we were always debating this one: Did she make the right call by killing Tuvix to save Tuvok and Neelix? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one or the few, and she made that call. What about in this case? She knew that Q wanted to commit suicide. Quinn wanted to commit suicide, and she finds in his favor. He becomes mortal, but then there's a there's a twist at the end. Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen it, <laughs> there's a there's a twist at the end when Chakotay and her are talking about. What are we going to do with with Quinn? He he knows everything. And they're deciding where they're going to put him, what department he's going to be in, and the doctor calls. you got to get down to sick bay. He ingested the Okefenokee plant or whatever it was. And there's no cure, and he's wow. going to die. And then Q shows up, VQ, John Delancey, says, I gave it to him. What did you think about that? I mean, were you like as wow as I was when that happened? I think that's Q's way of just making sure that he's gone. I think Q wanted to deal with him. Yeah, well, you know, you think that Q got permission from the... You know, he could have permission from the Q continuum to help him on his way. I mean, again, it's not clear, but but overall, overall, I, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it gave us a nice insight into Q, into the continuum. We got to see the Q continuum from a different perspective than we usually see it from John Delancey's point of view. But this time we get to see it from Quinn's point of view. It's a little bit a different version of the continuum. Um, but what did you think, David? Overall, what did you think about the episode? Um, oh boy. Uh, it was a good episode. I liked it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a toss up between is the Q race, as you could say, a good thing they added in or whatnot. But then as I think about it, the Q might've actually been around since Captain Kirk you know, like with Charlie X and everything, because she could have been probably in a queue too. So um, this whole idea that people having superpowers, you know, you got to kind of be careful when you're putting these in the series because almost anything can happen, and it's just a lot of plot armor coming involved. <laughs> so as far as uh, this particular episode, uh, it was okay. I mean, just like any other key episodes, you know, lots of stuff can happen. So, I don't know. Are we Did waiting for something? Is that why my, uh, I'm trying to... No, no, we're just... Nope, nope. No, we're okay. just talking about the the episode itself. And Do you think it was relevant to Picard and what we see of Q in Picard Season 2? Well, considering that Q was in there, I think it's all relevant because, you know, it's the same actor who played Q and... I don't know whether or not maybe he was being punished because he killed off Quinn, but um, I don't think so. But 
Uh, also, th- th- where did we know that Q is not affected by time? When was that brought up? In the very first episode when he snapped his finger and made himself old. Okay. Um, couldn't that just be a disguise? <laughs> well, I, I, I suppose, but uh, he, uh, he said his words to Picard were something along the lines of time hasn't been... What did he say, Charles? Time hasn't been kind to you? Or he makes, yeah, he makes some comment about time, and he goes, oh, well, let me fix that. And he snapped his finger and aged to the same age as Picard. So that yeah. would lead you to believe that cues don't, aren't affected by time, at least not like we are. Well, I think that could also just mean that he just, uh, since they don't age because they're immortal, that um, they snapping their finger could almost mean doing almost anything, like sending the ship further out, farther than any ship has ever gone before, meeting the board for the first time, or, you know, maybe just uh, snapping his finger probably could just mean he could do anything, really. And I don't think they're... I think they are affected by time, but they are not aging like we are. So I don't know if they can literally go back and see time at all at the same time, but I don't know. I just never really heard that cues were timeless, basically. <laughs> well, how about you, Charles? What do you think? It was an interesting episode. I think this ties into some of the episodes of let's get a little bit of talk about morality. As you talk in Tuvix, Measure a Man, and several others, it's it's a hard subject that Star Trek's willing to discuss. And it definitely is one that's going to throw questions out of, okay, there is no right or wrong answer. There just has to be a choice. And it takes a lot of work to make these kind of choices. Absolutely. And what do you think, Paul? You get the caboose on this one. I think it was a good episode. You know, it's 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 interesting um, when you haven't watched uh, you know a particular corner of the franchise in a while, right? And I haven't watched a Voyager in a good long chunk of time, and it's interesting to go back and and check it out again, right? Um, would I have liked it? I don't know. It's a I, I think probably a pretty objective thing would be, I don't know if I would have liked it as much without John Delancey being in it, right? I feel that he and Kate Mulgrew, you know, they're like the A players, right? They really, really are. And uh, I think they, they're just delightful, you know, because they really, they're like, you can see the theatrical training that they have, right? They're, they're really great. Um you know, same with like Tim Russ, right? Really focused. Um, a little bit of Neelix and Cass goes a long way. <laughs> so like, but this is a good script, right? And I think it was a really good, um, a good story that built on, you know, uh, 
giving us more about the ideas of the mythology of what the QR. And I really think this is a good choice to chat a little bit about because it does kind of tie up with the arc that a uh, character has been on through Picard this season, right? Because I think at the end, the reason he gives the, uh, uh, the poison to Quinn is because his mind has been changed by him, right? It's like he's kind of come over to have, if not agreement with him, respect for his wishes, Okay, and that's the uh, that's the through line of this story, right? If it's a meditation on assisted suicide, which was you know be appropriate for the time that this uh, episode was written, right? It's like it's more about Q's acceptance of his right to make his own choice, right? So when he gives him the hemlock, he's basically saying, "I don't necessarily agree with you." but I respect your autonomy to make your own decision about your life. And so I'm going to help you do that if that's what you want, right? Because I have the ability to do that. And so it's a measure of respect and acceptance. And you can take those same themes and kind of carry that over to what they did with Q's character and Picard. So it's interesting stuff thematically. I think it was, uh, it showed that, you know, Q had the, the capability of, of learning from something, and changing his behavior from what he's learned, which we hadn't really seen a lot of before. And probably that's a huge uh, aspect of why he continues to have so much uh, sense of kinship and affection for John Luke, because he always changes his perception as a result of their encounters. And you know, it seems like Q learns something from those uh, interactions. So I thought it was a really good episode, you know, as the Q ones usually are. They're more thoughtful. Uh, because they tend to be more meditations about the nature of mankind. So I'm I'm glad I saw it again. Absolutely. And listen, guys, uh, we wrapped up our conversation about Death Wish and a little bit of Q talk. Uh, but guess what? Thursday night, what are we going to talk about on Thursday night, Paul? Oh, yes. We're going to talk about a very cool second episode of Strange New Worlds. We're going to talk about a landing party. We're going to talk about, well, not yet, Lieutenant Cadet Uvora. Cadet Uvora. And we're going to talk about the biggest captain's cabin that anyone's ever seen, ever, and, in the history of and, Starfleet. And barbecued ribs. We've got to talk about barbecued ribs, too. And we're going to talk about one of the first depictions of a unique alien species that we saw um, on this week's most recent episode, which I thought was really interesting. So uh, episode two, Strange New Worlds, uh, Children of the Comet, we're going to have a very interesting, lively discussion, I think. Lots lots going on there. Um, yes. I'm super excited to talk about that. And we're going to we're going to go back a little bit. We're going to we're going to uh, do things kind of the way I used to do them before. And I've I've pulled some sound bites off of the episode, and I'm going to play a sound bite, and I'm going to ask each one of my co-hosts get a different sound bite and a different thing to discuss, and uh, that's what Ooh. we're going to do on Thursday night. Intriguing, we to, sir. We we used to do it that way a while, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, um, and we kind of got away uh, from that a little bit because I kept getting in trouble from Paramount for copyright infringement and whatnot, but um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. So, well, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to do it. So Thursday night, <laughs> Children of the Comet, 730, same bat time, 
same bat channel. And next Monday, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do our Monday Night Trek talking to about iGrok Spock. And if you don't know what iGrok Spock is, Google it. Okay? So I'm going to tell you, Google it. It's real. It's legit. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all the different actors who have played Spock through the years. And there's been many. Uh, why was Spock such an influential character in the Star Trek phenom? You know, what made him that? And we're going to talk about Spock. It's going to be a spectacular show on Monday night. So you don't want to miss that. All right, guys. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I'm, I'm starting to uh, lose my voice here. Uh, so anyway, it's a good thing the show is wrapping up. I want to take a second and say thank you so much to David for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's fun. And thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, friends. It's been awesome. It's always fun, isn't it? And also thank you so much to Charles for hanging out with us. It's good to have you back, Charles. It's always fun. Glad I can start making some of the truck talking twos. And uh, I just want to say to everybody, please, Get your vaccinations and stay safe. Be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.